Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chicks No Ship podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. Today, my guest is Stephanie McLaughlin, who has a really interesting way that she brought ushered in her 40th year. So entering to her midlife phase, Stephanie decided that instead of throwing herself a party, she was going to have 40 drinks with 40 friends. And what started out as kind of a silly idea turned into a bit of a life-changing endeavor. So this is very similar to something that I did when I was at the beginning of my reinvention journey, where I had coffee with as many different people as I could possibly meet just to get some insight on, you know, different ways that I could think about things. And so when Stephanie approached me with this 40 drinks story, I was like, oh, this is super interesting. And so we're going to dig into how this started and where she ended up with it. So welcome, Stephanie. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. I am thrilled to be here. So, okay. How did you come up with this idea? Like what prompted you to come up with this idea of 40 drinks as opposed to throwing yourself a 40th birthday party? Great question. So as I was rounding the bend at 39, I had been dumped by yet another, you know, jerk. Uh, Another relationship hadn't worked out. And at that point in time, I was single, never married, never engaged, no kids. I was, you know, just hadn't quite found my way yet. And when I thought about having a party, the big 4-0 party, and inviting people from all different walks of my life and, you know, doing this big to do. It just, it felt weird at that point in my life. And I am a Leo. So, you know, I love me a spotlight. I love me a party. I love me a crowd. But at that point in my life, it just felt so gross. It felt like the wedding that I had never had. Mm-hmm. You know, inviting all those people who I didn't see for years and years on end, like, come celebrate me. And, you know, when you think about those parties, whether it's a wedding or any of these other big parties, we all know that you get a couple of minutes with the host at best, Mm -hmm. right? You don't get any quality time with them. Right. So I knew I wasn't going to have a party, but I also knew that the milestone needed to be marked. So I just was percolating on it and trying to figure out what I would do. And part of the idea just came into my brain fully formed. 40 drinks, 40 people. Oh, that's interesting. Well, then what if I did 40 different places to make it, Mm. you know, just to spread it out? And then what if each drink had some connection to either my friend or our relationship thematically connected? And so the idea kind of came together and then it was like, well, how quickly can you do it? Well, and you, if you grabbed just the people who are closest to you in your life, you could probably get it done pretty quickly. And I did. I started with 
I actually started accidentally with my best friend. I told him the idea and he loved it. And we had our drink right then and there and that kicked it off. <laughs> Love it. And then, you know, a couple of, you know, some friends were home uh, who lived away. So I had drinks with them. And then, you know, a couple happened pretty quickly. And then I was like, well, wait a minute, let me be thoughtful about this and start thinking about who I actually want to have drinks with. And so I started digging people up. I dug up people from high school, grammar school, college, one old boyfriend, people I used to work with at different jobs as I, you know, from the start of my career on. And over time, it became this crazy cross-section, this, you know, uh, here is your life kind of thing that came together. And in the end, it took pretty much a year to have all 40 drinks. Wow. So you got all 40 in. I did. Wow. Okay. I'm just trying to picture myself in this scenario. And I'm thinking about going back through my life and digging up people that I maybe haven't talked to in 10 years. Yeah. What what were people's reactions? So one of the things that I loved about this And that attracted me to it at first was how ridiculous it was, that this was just something I had never heard of. It was ridiculous. It was outrageous. And so it gave me a really nice hook to reach out to people Mm. and say, almost self-deprecating, I'm doing this crazy thing. Would you want to have a drink with me? And now the really interesting thing is that a couple of people said no. Ooh. There were girlfriends I had lost touch with and, you know, who I had missed. And so I thought, oh, this is a great way to reestablish a connection. And so I reached out and asked a couple of girlfriends if they would be a part of my 40 drinks project. And two of them said no. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah. what was your intention? Like when you set out? Oh, I have do- a very clear intention. Yeah. What was your intention? Like, were you going to write a blog about it? What were you like, were you going to use it in some way? Like, what was your intention? Or was it just purely interesting? So my birthday is August 1st. And for as long as I can remember prior to 40, I celebrated what I called a birthday month. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's silly and it's ridiculous, but it was also my... Yeah, I know. I did too. (laughs) It was my way of extending the birthday long enough that there were a bunch of weekends in there where I could go see friends or have dinner with people I didn't live near, right? And it was a great way for me to reach out and reconnect with people that maybe I would only see a couple of times a year. So I was already entrenched in this birthday month. So this idea of extending my birthday for as long as it took was just delicious to me. It was outrageous. It was audacious. It was like, you know, who else is going to celebrate their 40th birthday for an entire year? Well, I will. Now, in a parallel track to that, in my professional life, I own a marketing agency. And so it was very easy for us to put up a little website. And I started writing blog posts for each of my drinks. So for each drink that I had, I'd write a story about the friend and our background. And then I'd write a story about the drink that we had and why we chose it. And I'd take a couple of pictures. I'd take a picture of the drink. I'd take a picture of us. If I had anything from, you know, historically, I might, you know, put that in the blog post as well. It was literally just ridiculous, outrageous. And there were a couple of things because I personally am a writer and I own a marketing agency. It was easy to put up a blog. And at that point in time, it's 12 years ago now, 
Facebook was still very much fun for adults. And so posting each of the blog posts, you know, I got a ton of interaction and, you know, people were commenting, this is so much fun. I want to be one of your drinks. Some people would literally put up their hand and say, I want to be one of your drinks. So my intentions were simply to be ridiculous. So at what point did you go, oh, this is turning into something? Like, and what was that thing that it was turning into? Yeah. There was one drink that I had with a college friend who I hadn't seen in somewhere between 10 and 15 years. And it was actually one of the few drinks that I traveled for as well. I was down in Florida. Mm-hmm. I was at a client thing and he lived in Florida at the time and we were able to connect. It was also one of the very few drinks that turned into a bit of a nanny, if you will. So I'm with this college friend. We haven't seen each other in a long time. We're having a blast. We're having a couple of drinks, you know, just like we would have in our 20s, you know, go out, have a couple of drinks, have some dinner. And then finally, we got to sitting down to have the quote unquote, our drink. And we were sitting at some bar, you know, in Fort Lauderdale and trying to figure out what would we have to drink? We'd have this, we've that. We finally figured out our drink. And this is multiple drinks into the night. And I said something to him about the, the, he was one of a group of guys that I hung around with for almost a decade. And Somewhere in the conversation at this point, I don't remember what it was, but I said, oh, that's just what happens when you're one of the guys. And it was like a like a needle scratched a record. It was like, like even at, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock, you know, six drinks deep into the evening, he kind of went like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I, I, I was just one of the guys. And he said, what would ever make you think that? And I said, well, you know, no matter when you guys went out. I was always invited, whether there were no girls, no girlfriends, you know, whether it was just you guys, you know, I was always invited. And in my brain, I had qualified that as being, oh, I, I'm just one of the guys, I Mm -hmm. guess. Right. That's why I get to tag along. And he looked at me and he said, Steph, you were never one of the guys. And, And my jaw dropped. And he said, you were just really cool and we liked hanging out with you. And I got to tell you, it could have been the six drinks. It could have been what he just said. But all I know is at that point on my bar stool, kind of my head spun and everything spun. It was like this foundation that I had built to my identity of exactly who I was and why. Mm. Oh, sorry, not true. And even after this group of guys, you know, sort of, you know, everybody kind of disbands and goes their own way. You know, most of the guys, even though they said I would be the first to get married, most of the guys got married, grew up, got married and had kids. And, you know, a couple of years later, I was part of another group of friends that was mostly guys. And again, I thought, I don't really get along that well with the girlfriends or the wives. I, I really get along well with the guys. So I'm just one of the guys. So for decades in my life, I thought I was one of the guys. And the reason that that was so off, off, offsetting for me was that to that point, I had never given myself the credit to have been cool enough on my own to hang out with these guys who I idolized. I thought they were the coolest. They were just so much fun. We did so much wild and crazy things in the boss in Boston in the nineties. And I thought, oh, it must just be because I have this one of the guys tag. I never would have thought, oh, Steph, she's the cool shit that hangs out with the guys because she's that cool. 
Right. And I think that was kind of the point where I was. And there were a couple other drinks that had things like that. What what happened was people were reflecting back to me what they knew about me or what they, you know, what they knew when we were friends or tight or hung out. And several times those things did not match what I thought of myself. And so I started getting these like moments of dizziness even about, Mm -hmm. you know, the, if that wasn't true, then what does that mean? And if I built on top of that, but that wasn't true, then who actually am I? And, you know, so that kind of stuff started happening. And that's when I realized that it was bigger than just the Mm -hmm. silly drinks project. So, you know, you're having these drinks and people are reflecting back to you like slices of your life and who you Mm -hmm. think you are. Mm -hmm. And then there are pieces of who you think you are that just totally don't line up (laughs) with other people's perception. And I could see how that would be like that could rock your foundation a little bit. Not a little bit, a lot because (laughs) a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you were talking, I'm thinking it's so interesting because no matter what your story, no matter where you come from, if you have a midlife crisis or not, at some point, the foundation of who you think you are gets shaken. You did it Mm -hmm. in a very interesting and novel way. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it happened, you know, when I found myself divorced, unemployed and empty nester bedridden with a stress-related illness, right? And if I was like, if I'm not a wife, mother, and corporate executive, like what? Like Right. Right. And I hear this same story being echoed in different sets of circumstances. Mm -hmm. Yours, however, feels different in that it was, and I'm not sure this is the right word, but it felt like still it was very much in in control. So you were kind of getting it little bit by little bit. Yeah. Right? And so what was the impact of that, of now seeing these slivers of your identity presented to you that don't line up? Like, what did that cause to happen inside you? And and how did you rationalize or navigate the sense of identity? I think that I just started shifting with some of these things that, you know, if you take them out and notice them and acknowledge them, then you can't unknow that. Mm, True. So, I had already been involved in some personal development stuff through maybe, you know, five or seven years before this. A a friend had, you know, dragged me kicking and screaming to, you know, some personal development stuff. But then I had gotten into it. It's, you know, I started enjoying it. And so I already had a, a couple layers of the onion peeled back. So I was at least open to some of this stuff. And then when these shifts started happening, when you can't unknow this, you know, for me, I didn't do it um, intentionally. I didn't, I I didn't, you know, sit there and go, I'm going to integrate this new information and see where it takes me. I I wasn't that thoughtful. And I'm not typically that introspective on my own. So, so what happened was I, you know, once I knew these things and couldn't unknow them, to me, there was, it's almost like a drift. I almost started drifting a little bit, you know, a little bit more in that direction than in on this path mm-hmm. that I thought I had been on. Interesting. The thing for me was that if you had told me at the beginning of the year, here is a project that you are going to do that's going to change your life. I might have gotten on board at the beginning and said, okay, I can do this. But it, 
very quickly, I and I know myself, it would have become overwhelming. It would have become work. Right. It would have become, you know, something I had to do. So for me, the fact that this project was wrapped up in this ribbon of ridiculousness that was silly and fun, those are things that are attractive to me mm. and that I not only am drawn to, but I, I couldn't turn away from if I tried. I mean, that that's the fun stuff to me. So because it was wrapped up, I didn't know until... I'd gotten a couple of punches, a couple of, you know, those reflections back until things had already started shifting. And then I started thinking, whoa, (laughs) whoa, wait a minute. It wasn't just the one. Oh, wait, there's another one. Oh, God, what did this person say? So they started building on each other. And not that everyone was as groundbreaking as my college friend, but there were others. There were a couple others that were pretty ground shaking. And then beyond that, just people reflecting back to me things that they liked me. Mm-hmm. They loved me. They thought so kindly of me. They, you know, things that a lot of times we don't think of ourselves that way. And so to really get facefuls of that kind of feedback about myself I think that was so valuable to me because it was, it was undeniable. We can deny our own thoughts. We can deny ourselves. We can, right. We can go into self-denial all we want. Oh, I'm not that cool. Oh, I'm not this. Oh, I'm not that lovable, whatever. But when you've got 40 people over the course of a year, just giving you facefuls of it, it's like, oh, (laughs) maybe they're right. (laughs) So after you had a couple of, you know, kind of those things that were you were weren't expecting, did that cause you to go to into any of the other conversations with a sense of apprehension at all? Or was it just kind of like, oh, OK, I'm just going to take this and move on? <laughs> no, there was never apprehension because for each of the people I was meeting, I was thrilled to have a drink with them. Mm-hmm. And aside from the couple of people who said no and wouldn't have a drink with me, those made me sad. Those hurt my feelings. But if I look back, if I'm being really fair, I understand why both of them said no. Mm. And I'm okay with it. It just meant that they weren't meant to be part of the project. And I want to make it really clear that one of those two women, our lives came back together organically. And we, you know, we're now in, and I don't mean now, like now, I mean, you know, for the last decade, you know, we've been in touch. But it, at that point in time, it wasn't right. something she was interested in doing. So, and the other one, you know, has stayed, uh, you know, not in contact and that's okay. Um, yeah. So those were the things I think that were sort of, you know, bummer. But when it came to the drinks, every single one was like unwrapping a present. It was like, oh, I get to see this person today or this weekend oh, or, oh, this is going to be so much fun. So they were, they were all uh, just, I was excited for every single one of them. Yeah. How did this process change your life? Like, who were you before and like, who were you after? Yeah. The most visible change that took place that year, the project started in July. Like I said, my birthday's in August, turned 40 in August, and then it went through pretty much my my next birthday. The most obvious change was that in April of that year, I met the man who would become my husband. Mm. And I know for a hundred percent fact 
that a couple of years beforehand, I would not have been a person who would have been as attractive to him as I was at the time. And what I mean by that is, you know, I was kind of a crazy girl. I was a party girl. I was all over the place. I was, you know, doing this and that. And, you know, we're going to go here for the weekend and we're going to go to that party and then we're going to do that. And then we're going to do that. You know, I was always going always, you know, and it was always, you know, a big party. There was always a lot of booze. It was, you know, I had a great time, but that would have been attractive to him for a month, maybe two, right? He just, it's not his scene. And we started dating in April and it just, it became pretty clear pretty quickly that this was, he was the one. (laughs) Right. And so I know that I had already started shifting into the next version of myself because of the way that I was able to be with him and he was interested and attracted to me and and we built a relationship. I don't think we could have done that a couple of years earlier. So how did you shift though? So if you were the party girl, you know, mm-hmm. go, 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 go. Who did you become? Like, what was that shift? I shed a lot of the external stuff. Mm-hmm. So I became much less of a party girl. I became someone for whom I didn't need seven or 10 friends around at all times and plans with them every weekend and three times during the week. And I, I was a part of that friend group for several years, five, six, seven years before I turned 40. And during the course of that year, that whole friendship group kind of fell apart for me. There's several of them that are still good friends, but it fell apart for me and it, it was painful. It was, you know, it, I mourned it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't fit them anymore and they didn't fit me anymore. So they were shifting all over the place. There was, you know, my friend groups were shifting, you know, I was shifting into this, this person, you know, who was much more able to have a relationship with Patrick. I was becoming quieter in that I wasn't out and about all the time, you know, drinking and socializing and, you know, places, you know, loud with tons of people. You know, I became quieter. I became a little bit more insular. I've always been an off the charts extrovert, but now I could understand the beauty of a smaller group Mm -hmm. or of a private space or time or, you know, event. I definitely shifted in that way from being more focused outward and on the world and on the party to being more focused inward on me and on Mm. the people and places I surrounded myself with. So those conversations, what I hear you saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, those conversations opened up different parts of you. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Places that I didn't know existed or that I might have, you know, wallpapered over decades ago or, you know, might have been avoiding. You know, Yeah, for sure. For sure. So Those conversations brought out things that I wasn't expecting. You know, I am a firm believer that, you know, relationships, all relationships reflect you back to you, <laughs> reflect mm. you back to yourself. So the fact that you went basically you went into the fun house (laughs) sure did of my own design of your own design basically the fun house of your life and all of these relationships 
to see these different parts of yourself um, mm-hmm. that maybe you couldn't see, like you said. Was there any of those pieces that you were like, yeah, no, I don't agree. Sorry. Like, was there any of that kind of thing? I'm like, wow, I can't believe you see me that way. And that's so off base. It's not funny. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting question that I have not been asked before. And a situation does come to mind. That friend group that I was talking about mm-hmm. that, I mean, these people had been, you know, I called them my family. You know, we were, we lived near each other. We walked into each other's houses. We traveled together multiple times a year. We went on vacation. I mean, we did everything together, dinner, everything. I cannot stress how tight we were as a group. And at some point during this year, something happened that we were, I think it was over the winter because we were going up to a, a ski house for a weekend or something. And one other woman and I both owned our own businesses and a bunch of people were going to go up Thursday and we were going to go up Friday. And, and she and I had connected on Friday. Neither of us had had a good day. And we, you know, had kind of a, I'll just be honest. We had a bit of a bitchy exchange to each other. And then we both said, let's take a nap. I'll call you. you know, maybe it was late afternoon. I'll call you in an hour or two hours or something. And so we took a nap. I remember waking up and texting her and, you know, sending her a picture of my cat and said, you know, my mom says she's sorry. She was such a bitch, you know, and then I didn't really hear back. So then I called her and, you know, I texted her a couple of times and then I called her and I said, Hey, you know, what are you thinking? Oh no, no. We, it was Saturday. We were going to leave on Saturday morning. I called her Saturday morning and I said, Hey, when, when do you want to leave? You know, all bright eyed and bushy tailed. And I had sent that text the night before. And she said, Oh, I, uh, I came up last night and I was like, wait, what, what? And not only had she gone up the night before, but she had spun a version of the story in which she was obviously not at all at fault. And I was a hundred percent at fault. And that story ended up taking root in this group of people and poisoning them right. to me. And like I said, these are people who I've been friends with for you know, four or five, seven years. I mean, one of them I had known for, I don't know, 10 or 12, I mean, a long, long time. Right. And all of a sudden I'd start going to events or, you know, you know, things of, that we would do and, and I would get weird cold shoulders and I would get weird interactions. And now I'm trying to introduce this guy who, I started dating and like, oh my God, these are my best friends. I can't wait for you to meet them. It's going to be so exciting. And every time he would, every event we went to, they were terrible to him. They were terrible to me. And it was like, what is happening? This bizarro world of me being this demon. And that's when, you know, it really did kind of everything fell apart. And I was like, I I don't think I fit here anymore. And partially it was my husband reflecting back to me because I'm sure if I had gone, you know, crawling back, hands and knees, begging forgiveness, that would have been one thing. One of the longest time friends in that group, he and I had dinner, like I don't know, a month later. And he said, you know, he he kind of wanted to broach the subject. And he's, oh, I'm, I can't, you know, I couldn't believe that you would say those things or do those things. And I was like, well, you've known me the longest out of everyone. If you couldn't believe that I would say or do them, then why wouldn't you just ask me if I said or did them? Because actually it turns out that I didn't say or do any of them. You know what I mean? It was, yeah, it was that yeah. kind of like nasty friendship. Right. 
And then my, my, my boyfriend at the time was like, I don't know what you think is so special about these people. They're not very nice to you. And so again, it was just part of that drifting that like, oh, this is starting to feel really bad. And this is starting to feel really nice. And so, you know, I guess I have to leave them behind. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and again, I truly believe that from a relationship standpoint, when things are no longer a fit, that there will be some kind of a way that they will remove themselves from your story. I had a similar story with a friend of mine who, you know, we were friends for almost no more than 20 years. And when I stopped drinking, our friendship died. Yep. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. So, right. you know, it, they definitely are a reflection of us and, you know, where we are going. And sometimes we need to, yeah. you know, leave these things in the past in order to move on. So where do you think your life would be or who do you think you would be if you hadn't taken on this project? Like what would have happened, do you think? Hmm. I think. I mean, Here's the thing that I came around to at the end of the 40 Drinks Project. And because, you know, my life did change so profoundly, one of the things that I realized and learned was that many of us, if not most of us, go through some form of transition or transformation sometime around the age 40. So 35 to 45, right? There is an actual... It is not common cultural knowledge that there is a transition that you're going to go through at that period in time. And I didn't know. So if I hadn't done the 40 drinks project, I probably would have gone through some version of a transition or a transformation. It certainly wouldn't have been as fun. Mm -hmm. And I probably would have fought it a lot more. So again, because this whole thing was so silly and so fun, it was like, Uh, the spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down for me. Yeah. And so if I hadn't done the 40 drinks project, I, I'm convinced that I still would have transitioned into, Mm -hmm. you know, the next version of Stephanie, but would I have fought it? Would it have been harder? Would it have been messier? Would I have tried to stay with those friends longer? Would I, I don't, I can't even imagine what a mess I might've made of it if I didn't have this little path that I had built myself that I was following that would get me through the forest. Right. Interesting. So interesting. Would you do it again? Yes. Really? Yes. Interesting. Uh Uh-huh. A hundred percent. And it's interesting that you ask that because one of the people that I talked to on my podcast, who actually I think you would love, and I should introduce you, her name is Teresa Thomas. She's from the Midwest. And she did this thing when she turned 50 that she called 50 fun things where she had the big party and she made a list of 50 things that she thought would be fun to do during the course of the year. And she brought it to the party and she said to her friends and her family and everybody at the party, let me know what you want to do. If there are any of these things that you want to do with me. Okay. And people signed up to do them with her. And at the end of the year, She had, I don't know if she did all 50 things. I can't remember that detail. But what I do remember is at the end of the year, she had done fun things with her friends, with her family. She had made connections. She had actually, you know, brought about synchronicities and little magic in her life. And it was really very similar to what I did. 
And so my birthday was earlier this month and I have spent the month trying to come up with 52 fun things that I want to do. So I think I'm going to try to this year to figure out, you know, are there people who would do some of these fun things with me? Are there opportunities to have fun? Because right now in my life, I'm feeling a little isolated. I'm feeling a little lacking in the fun department. I'm feeling a little too serious and not creative enough. Mm. So I thought I would pick up on Teresa's idea and try to bring that into my own life and see if I couldn't, you know, make some magic this year myself by connecting with people far and wide in my life. Yeah, that's such a cool idea. I love that idea. I might have to try that. Maybe I do I'll, too. Maybe I'll do that when I turn 60 because you're right. You know, life is so short and wherever we can infuse fun and creativity, mm-hmm. just to, you know, shake things up a little bit. Because fun and creativity yeah. will always shake things up. <laughs> they will. Um, they will. Yeah, it just and is- we have to build it. We have to build mm-hmm. it into our lives. They, you know, when you're a kid, fun things just happen across. I mean, even in our twenties, when we're, you know, when we're living and our friends are, you know, everybody's single and in the city or whatever, fun things happen across your your front door. They happen right. They right. cross your path, and you know, in midlife. They don't quite as much. They don't, they don't just happen in, upon your front door as much. So I decided that this year I wanted to make more fun things happen in my life. And it, it is in the very same vein and spirit as 40 drinks, which I would do again in its exact same format. But for this year, I'm, I'm going to follow Teresa's path on 50 fun things. That's, that's so cool. So you host the, the 40 drinks podcast. Did I get that right? I do. And I what do, do you yeah. talk about on this podcast and where can people find it? Yeah. Well, you can find the podcast on any of the podcast platforms or at my website, which is 40 drinks.com spell out the word 40 on the podcast. I am talking to other people who have gone through transitions and transformations around turning 40. Because like I said a moment ago, it is not common cultural knowledge that we have this transition. And so my goal is to showcase as many versions of it as possible so that anyone turning 40 or recently turned 40 with dread in their heart can find that they are not alone, that, you know, we go through this period of transition, which leads to a period of messiness. And then once you come out the other side, it is so much better. You've built a life that suits you perfectly, that feels better, that that works better. But it is a challenging and sometimes scary time. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to share the lessons of those of us that have gone before and uh, and come out the other side. I won't say unscathed because I didn't, but... <laughs> <laughs> Well, sometimes we need to be unscathed, but it's so interesting, you know, that we hold on to this notion that we're supposed to be the same person from the beginning to the end of our lives and yeah. nothing is farther than the truth. I mean, yeah, you know, like I think it's, is it Rumi who said, you know, reinvent yourselves as many times as you need to, right? Yeah. To find yeah. joy. And it's just one of yeah. the things. Yeah. One of the things that I learned when I started realizing that I wasn't the only one that went through this was there was a book that was written in the 70s called Passages. Nope. Yes, Passages. And the thesis was that from zero to 18, there are all these books and materials on developmental stages. But, you know, once you become an adult, there's no more information. Yeah. But the author said that there were definite stages that people go through. And the one that was really interesting to me was this concept of first adulthood and second adulthood. Mm. And 
the first adulthood is like, I don't know, 18, 20, whenever you leave home or go to college through to sometime between 35 and 45. And what you do during that period is you really are following other people's paths, guidelines. You're doing all the things you should. You're doing all the things you've been told to do head down, just following the path. And then in this period of 35 to 45, you really start trusting yourself more than people outside of you who are telling you all these Mm -hmm. things. And so now you start to put your trust and your faith in your own self. And that's when you evolve into that second adulthood, which is a much more authentic life because you're building it for yourself based on what you know you want, based on what you know what you need versus somebody else saying you should do this because it's going to get you this outcome. Yeah. And and so that to me is so intriguing and that that piece in between the transition that's kind of where my brain is focused these days. Yeah. I love that. I love I love that idea of the, you know, first adulthood, second out. Maybe there's even a third adulthood. I wonder what that looks oh, like. Oh, I'm sure there is. <laughs> I'm sure there is. You know, I haven't needed them yet, so I haven't read the chapters on turning 60. <laughs> <laughs> I just made a note to go get the book. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know what it says. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this has been such a fun conversation about transition. And I love the way that you approached it. It was so creative, um, so fun. And the other part that I, I love is, you know, the universe will always find the way to get our attention. And the way to get your attention was through fun and creativity. Because like you said, it just removed resistance. You know, for me, I'm the brick in the head kind of person and I needed to get (laughs) to learn the hard way. But, you know, following those inner nudges, you know what I mean? And like just, you know, that thing that just kind of lit you up and then you just went ahead and did it. Like we need to be all doing a lot more of that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because I mean, that yeah. is my motto now. Like, you know, if if it doesn't bring me joy or if it doesn't add something to my life, then I'm not doing it. <laughs> right, right. Embrace the silly, embrace the yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. It's okay. We don't always have to be serious and grown up. Yeah. Because none of us feel serious and grown up inside our heads anyway. So True. why not True. just, or not all the time at least, True. you know, why yeah. not embrace some of those urges? see where they lead us. I know. So cool. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. To everybody listening, please go check out the 40 Drinks podcast. You can find it on all the podcast platforms. We'll put the link to the website in the show notes. And if you love what you heard today, please feel free to give us a five-star review or better yet, the biggest compliment that you could provide is to share this episode with a friend, a sister, a relative, anybody that you think would get something out of it. So Stephanie, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure to be here. And uh, until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.